My name is J.D. Mangrum. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. And again, thanks so much for being here. Just want to talk to you over the next few moments about a story of Jesus' resurrection from the Gospel of John in chapter 20. We'll get to that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to talk about something real important right now. I want to talk about haircuts. How many of you need one? If you're doing comments today uh, on YouTube or on Facebook Live, feel free to chime in. Need a haircut? Don't need a haircut? Where do you stand on haircuts right now? For me, personally, I'm on the fence about haircuts. I'm getting to that point where I'm starting to think I'm going to need a haircut. If, I, if you came up from behind on me, you might think I was Team Wolf. Need to get the neck shaved, get everything trimmed up a little bit. That's where I am in my haircut journey. Let me tell you some things I'm not on the fence about right now. Not on the fence about toilet paper. Not on the fence about ice cream. What's your favorite flavor? I hear it's in short supply. Uh, I hear it's like a ghost town in ice cream racks in grocery stores all across America. Not on the fence about Charlestown. Man, I love this neighborhood. Our church in the last few days has distributed thousands of eggs to families in this community. We've helped some small businesses. We're helping get masks to uh, seniors in our community. We're even uh, catering some meals for people who are making masks and for seniors here in the community to help come along small businesses. I'm not on the fence about Charlestown. We love our neighborhood. We love you. Frankly, I think it's a big deal that you're here. So thanks for being here. Don't know what you're on the fence about in your life or not on the fence about in your life, but I find that a lot of times we're on the fence about God. Uh, and we can even come into this environment. Maybe today you're here and you're on the fence about God and life is really up in the air and uncertain and you're wanting to know what's the deal with God. And so I'm going to talk today about uh, an encounter that Jesus had right after his resurrection with one of his followers. One thing you got to understand about the followers of Jesus, these were not spiritual ninjas. I don't know. Do you feel like a spiritual ninja? Uh, I certainly don't most of the time. And his followers were bumbling, stumbling people who it wasn't until after his resurrection that everything came together for them and they got it. So before we jump into the Gospel of John, let me give you uh, just a bit of backstory on what's going on here. First of all, we're going to be uh, talking about the life of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus from the Bible. It's, we're going to look at the New Testament. Now, the New Testament is just the part of the Bible that is the story of Jesus and everything after. In the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures are everything that's before Jesus, so from creation until Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at one of the biographies of Jesus. There's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to be looking at the biography that was written by John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples and one of his closest friends. In fact, John referred to himself often as the one who is beloved by Jesus. And so here's where we are. John's writing his biography. It's years after Jesus' resurrection. And he's going to be talking about the Resurrection Sunday. Now, up to this point, Jesus has lived about 30-something years. He has taught. He's done miracles. He's healed. He's befriended. He's loved people. And then he was betrayed and turned over to authorities. And though he committed no sin, the Bible tells us, he was actually crucified on Good Friday. Uh, he was killed. He laid his life down. He was killed Professional executioners testified to the fact that he was dead, and then he was placed in a Jewish grave on Friday, and three Jewish days later, we Christians believe that he rose from the dead. Uh, we believe he rose from the dead, um, and that is the crux of our faith. Frankly, if you're thinking about following Jesus, 
don't examine the church. That's not the most important thing. Certainly don't examine my life. I am a work in progress. Don't judge Christianity by all of Jesus' followers. Don't even judge it by all of the stories of the Bible and whether or not they all make sense. The thing that we need to examine is the resurrection. Did it happen? What difference does it make? The Apostle Paul actually said that if the resurrection didn't happen, then all of our faith is in vain. And so I want to tell you as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus, I'm basing my faith on the resurrection of Jesus. See, I really believe historically there was a Jewish man named Jesus that historically he died on a cross that wasn't a story or a metaphor and that three days later he rose from the dead. And so today we are jumping into the beginning of the story of the resurrection. And I'm going to treat this message not as an apologist, apolog um, apologetic for the resurrection, but assuming that the resurrection happened because I don't assume it. My personal experience is that it did happen. And so beginning in John 20, I'm going to read to us the story of Jesus's resurrection. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, the biographer, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Now it's Sunday. It's the first day of the Jewish week. It's, it's not COVID-19 season where all the days run together and we're not sure is it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Our, our son Owen the other day was on a Zoom call with his amazing teacher, Tara McDonough. And right before he jumped on it, Natalie said, you've got to change your clothes. You've literally worn that Minecraft onesie the last four days for school. You've got to change. The, the days are still marked one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in this passage in John 20. And on the first day of the week, three Jewish days after Jesus had been dead and buried, Mary Magdalene, one of his followers, not one of the 12 disciples, but one of his entourage of, of followers who had been doing ministry and listening to teaching goes to honor Jesus and, and to, to take care of his body in the grave. And so she, uh, she finds that he's not there. She goes back and finds the disciples. And then Peter and John go to the grave and go to look for Jesus. He's not there. And there's just this wild scene. They had heard that Jesus was going to rise from the dead, but he's not there. And they're disoriented, not exactly sure what's going on. In verse 11, it says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away the Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, because they're disoriented, she's a little disoriented, and a lot of the disciples would have these early encounters with resurrected Jesus, and it was like they had gotten a sense of amnesia and couldn't comprehend that he could actually, in fact, be risen from the dead. So thinking that he was the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned, said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, don't cling to me for I have yet 
I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers, the disciples, and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. And so I want to talk uh, just for a few moments about three powerful things that I think I see Jesus saying in this passage. The first thing that Jesus says to Mary Magdalene, and uh, man, all his words just have such power, is, woman, why are you weeping? What are you seeking? It's kind of a crazy question, right? (laughs) I'll turn it around and ask it of you this morning, actually. What What are you seeking today? You're here on a Sunday, Easter Sunday, and I wonder, what are you seeking? Are you seeking peace? Are you seeking hope? Are you seeking a miracle? I've I've been emailed and texted this week by some of you asking for miracles. I get that. Are you seeking toilet paper? We have none. Uh, Or ice cream? We don't have that either. Um, Are you you seeking God? Are you seeking to go deeper today? What are you seeking? Like, I'm going to invite you, if you want, just to Facebook comments, live comments, uh, YouTube, whatever. I'm going to invite you. If there's something you're seeking, share it with us. We'd love to hear it. What are you seeking today? Uh, there's no wrong answer here. would love to hear from you. And that's what Jesus starts with. That's, that's where he starts. Well, who are you looking for? What are you seeking right now? Now, she thinks he's the gardener. And so what she's seeking is the dead body of Jesus. And she says, sir, where have you put him? Now, we know he's not dead. He's, a, he's arisen, actually. She doesn't qu- quite yet know that. All the, all the dots haven't connected for her. And so then she, she fires back, like, tell me where you've laid him. Which leads to the second thing that Jesus says. He calls her by name. And he says, Mary. And man, she's heard that voice so many times before. And yet there's so much beauty and power in it right now. Jesus knows exactly who she is. She doesn't know who Jesus is yet, but Jesus knows exactly who she is. And he says, Mary. And I just think about that sort of dramatic moment. So many movies and television shows we've seen over the years where someone calls someone's name and they turn and the music is soft. And I can just see all the excitement, all the memories, all of it coming back for Mary. And she realizes she knows that voice. I want to tell you in love today, Jesus is calling your name. He's calling your name. You may not know him exactly, but he knows you, and he's calling your name. He's saying, Carson, Lana, Alicia, Natalie, Desheen, Hugh, Jason, Jim, Stephanie. He knows your name. He's calling you by name today. And isn't that what we all want to know that whether we know God or not, just to know that God knows us and he knows our situation. I want to tell you today, Jesus knows your name. So what's Mary's response? I think her heart probably leaps. But then frankly, she does, to me is a little odd. She says, teacher. Why don't she say Jesus? Now, maybe it's just respect and I get that. Maybe I'm taking some liberties here as a pastor that I ought not to take. But I want to tell you, I've done stuff like this too. When Jesus called my name and I turn around and give him some title he didn't ask for, there's been times in my life where I've tried to use all the right churchy words, like hi, holy father, big words. I've treated God more mysterious than he was asking me to be treated. 
I've heard people pray over the years that these these, thous, and thys that are kind of unnecessary. A lot of times it's meant as a sign of reverence. Sometimes it creates a distance that Jesus isn't necessarily asking us for. A lot of us struggle with uh, religious guilt, in fact, and Jesus is calling our name, and because we kind of know the condition of our hearts, we think we've got to like feel guilty and use all this weird words and keep our distance from him, right? Some of you have talked to me about that religious guilt. You've, my uh, my Irish friends have called it Irish guilt. I love watching the, the, the weight that's on your shoulders every time you talk about it because God never intended for that religious guilt to be there. But we do that. Like I do it too. We, we, we want to make penance and we want to barter with God. God, if you'll forgive me for this, then I will do that. If you'll help me let go of this, then I promise that I will do this. If you'll give me this, I'll give you that. We barter with God. Um, we say, I'll go to church. I'll stop swearing. I'll give money. I'll help kittens out of trees and old ladies across the street. I'll keep 12 feet social distance. I'll do all of this stuff that God never was even asking for. The truth is all Jesus wants is relationship. And so often we're offering transactions. Jesus wants relationship with us. Now, what does that even mean? Now, I want to talk about it because I, I don't just suppose that all of us know. If our lives are all kind of going this way, we tend to be going this way. What Jesus wants, what it means to be in relationship with God is to turn and begin to go this way. And we turn from the right to have control over our life. And we turn from the right to, uh, to hang on to how we're going to live. And we turn to Jesus, and we turn in trust and in relationship. Like in the movies, when someone turns and their heart changes, we're turning in relationship to God. The word for that biblically is repentance, but all it really means is just beginning a relationship with God, and that's what Jesus wants. He didn't need her to say, teacher. He just wanted her to turn, hear his voice, and respond, and be all in. Can I ask a really hard question in your life? What would it look like for you to be all in with Jesus? Not on the fence like I am about haircuts, but all in. What would it look like in your life? Now, the third thing Jesus says really quickly, he says, and I love this phrase. He says, now, Mary, I got a job for you. I want you to go to my brother's. And I want you to tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. He's talking to the disciples, and he, but he doesn't refer to them as disciples. He says, go find my brothers. They betrayed me. They abandoned me, but they're still my brothers. And you go tell them about my father and their father and my God and their God. He's identifying with them and he's reminding them that they're still family. He's inviting them into something personal. And today I want to tell you God is inviting you into something personal. Not into transactions, not into religion, but into something personal. Now you're going to say, if I'm betting, because I've been there, you might say, well, J.D., you don't get it. I'm Catholic or JD, you don't get it. I'm Baptist and I totally get it. Like I totally get it. You might say, JD, you don't understand. I'm a really good person. Or JD, I, uh, I believe in God. I've said all those things. I totally get it. But I'm not talking about any of that. You can do all those things and know you have zero relationship with God. And what Jesus is doing is saying like, quit with all that stuff 
and enter into the relationship with my Father and your Father and my God and your God and be my brothers and begin relationship. Now, how do we get that? How do we get that? Now, here's Jesus' role. He lived, the Bible tells us, he lived sinlessly. He then died sacrificially. He died to uh, accomplish salvation for you and I as a sacrifice. And then he rose victoriously. So in bartering, in, in sort of not even bartering, in brokering this relationship with God, Jesus lived sinlessly, died sacrificially, rose victoriously. Now, what's our role? Our role is just to respond. Our role, the only thing we do, we don't try to be good. We don't clean up our act. We don't stop using swear words. We don't begin to go to church. We don't have to pray. We just say, I'm turning. I'm turning. I've seen the Lord and I'm turning. And that's the, how the story ends. Mary goes to the brothers, the disciples. And what is her testimony? What's her story? I have seen the Lord. I've seen the King. I've seen the Savior. He's hers and she is his and they have relationship. And what would your life look like today if you began a relationship with God? How would our community in the midst of coronavirus be different if you had relationship with God? How would your family, how would your day, how would your week be if you had relationship with God? It is as simple as turning and not even physically. May I pray for us? Now, as we begin to pray, can I just tell you that maybe you say, J.D., today I need to begin a relationship with God. Um, before we even close our eyes and bow our heads, I did that a little early. Um, I want to tell you, I'm not asking you to become religious. I'm not asking you to go to church. I'm not asking you to become part of our church. I'm not asking you to be morally perfect. I'm asking you, and I believe God is asking you today to ask him uh, into your life to just kind of turn the posture of your heart toward him and begin relationship with him. So today, if you need to do that, can I just lead you in a prayer? Prayer is not magic. It's not going to save you. It's the condition of your heart as the posture of your heart changes. And you might say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've been going one way and today I'm turning and I want to begin to go another way. I want to follow you. I'm all in. I want to believe. I want to stop with the religious language or any of that. And I just want to belong to you as best I know how. Jesus, as best I know how today, I commit to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that, here's where things are about to get crazy. I'm going to ask you to get off the fence. In a moment, you're going to go to our digital connection card, www.christchurchcharlestown.com connect. I'm going to ask you, after you fill out the information at the bottom, to check the box and say, I'm interested in becoming a follower of Jesus. I'm not going to be on the fence anymore. Maybe you're here today and uh, you've already made that decision and God's going to call you to some further decisions. I'm going to ask you in that same place, that same connection card, dot com slash connect uh, on our Christchurch Charlestown homepage to go in and just share what decisions God's calling you to make. Today's the greatest day in the world. The truth of the empty tomb is that our lives have hope no matter what's going on. Our lives have meaning. We have purpose. Our lives are going somewhere and we get to be brothers with Jesus and children of Father God and respond. So let's not be on the fence. Maybe be on the fence about haircuts. Maybe be on the fence about other stuff. But let's begin to be off the fence with Jesus. Thank you for being here. 
and God bless you. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. can't wait to celebrate next steps with you. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Jesus is risen. God bless you.